Welcome to a new episode of Blue Jay Bites. Now here's your host, my dad, Brian's Ock. Thanks for coming, everybody. Okay, we're back for another live episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. We got a couple plants in the audience clapping it. Wow. Those guys are into it. I, I like this. Really. Holy this is all the energy I need, baby. I like this a lot. This now works. You're, now you're jacked up. All right, so tonight we have a big 25-minute interview, exclusive interview with Mitch Ballack, sophomore extraordinaire for the Creighton men's basketball team. Mitch, now in his second year in the program, uh, essentially, Matt, thrust into uh, a leadership role, I, I would say. I mean, I'm not sure. You see Mitch every day at practice. You see how he works with the guys uh, and, uh, you know, um, on a day-to-day basis, not to get too far ahead of ourselves on the interview, but... What's the uh, what's the leadership capability, the, the qualities that Mitch brings to this team as a sophomore, I guess, with Tyshawn uh, kind of hand-in-hand? That will be something interesting to watch for, to see who kind of jumps into those spots. Um, he's definitely a guy who knows the playbook pretty well. So uh, in terms of getting guys in the right spots, now there are mistakes made in his part, but he's not perfect. But sure. in terms of getting, right, getting guys in the right spots, he's one of the best. Um, so that's already going to be automatically a, a thing he jumps on. Do you think that helping like the younger players just went by had Martine in it? I hope not. Okay, good. Yeah, it, as okay. of as of the end of practice, no one needed an ambulance today. So that's good. That's good. Good start right there. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be an opportunity, uh, just depending on the type of season he has, for him to jump into more of a leadership role and for guys to trust him more. Um, and uh, but I think that's going to be a work in progress for the rest of the team. Right now, I think Martin is a guy that everybody kind of leans on, just based on his experience. Um, Connor Cash is another guy that jumps into that role just because of all the college basketball experience he has in general, whether it's at Creighton or Rice. Um, he's a guy that's just like is very mature. Um, just Creighton knows, Rice knows the like game. something that they would create down at Brandeis, <laughs> like Arlene would make that dish. Yeah, just rice. market that a little bit. It's like a bunch of random stuff from the salad bar that you throw in with some rice, and that's Creighton Rice. Yeah, no, uh, Mitch's thing is going to be knocking down a bunch of three-pointers. Uh, that's what they brought him in for, Making some right? plays off the dribble, off the ball screens, because he can pass it pretty well and make decisions. Okay. Um, he'll have a role for sure, a big role, an important role. I don't know if he's a defensive stopper, so I don't know if you – if you want to lay expectations on him replacing Kyrie, probably not. Probably, <laughs> right. more, probably more Marcus. Okay. More the offensive side of things for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he no one works on their jump shot more than Mitch. He's constantly the last dude off of the practice floor every day, um, just making ungodly amounts of three-pointers. And, you know, even when he makes nine out of ten, he's really upset when he misses the one. So uh, he's got kind of like a perfectionist attitude that we talk a little bit about during the interview. Yeah, I, um, I know that that's what you start the interview with. Essentially, you're catching him off of the practice floor, and you are commenting to him about how hard he is on himself. Very frustrating on himself. Like he, I mean, <laughs> there are like, it's not a kid friendly. It's not a kid friendly workout. I'll say that you can't okay. take your kids to watch Mike Bitch Battle workout because they're going to hear words that require the earmuffs. Okay. Um, I have Creighton blue yeah, but earmuffs it, that I used to put my kids in when the games when Dougie was there because it <laughs> yeah. gets so loud. Yeah, you were, it's required. It's sure. required equipment when Mitch shoots. Um, okay. Just it, it is crazy too because that's the type of success level in, uh, at a high level uh, of a high level athlete that you come to appreciate when the game plays, but you don't really see the process. Sure. Uh, but when you watch Mitch's process, uh, you know it's like he'll he'll go he, he, he's you know he tries to make like twenty five shots in a row before he you know in certain spots it's just crazy numbers that he tries to make consecutively. Um, so when he misses one and ruins the rhythm, ruins the roll. Uh, he gets really upset, so it's just I kind of want to go see this now. It's just a perfectionist <laughs> attitude he has, and you know he says he gets it from his family, his parents, um, his brother and sister. Uh, I learned know, it from can, watching you, Dad, sort of a thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, they instilled that in him. He talks a little bit about that, uh, but that's the type of attitude he brings every single day because he does get legitimately upset with himself for missing even one shot out of ten. So okay, I get, it. I get it. I'd be happy making three out of ten. <laughs> If I could make one. So did I ever tell you the story about the time I made a, a three-pointer at Creighton basketball game? No. Yeah, so back at the old Civic Auditorium, okay. back when Rick Johnson was the coach and nobody went to games, they had to get as much energy in the crowd as possible. So at one point for a fundraiser, they let any kid or adult that wanted to shoot a three-pointer at halftime in the middle of winter show up on the floor, pay a dollar to, to raise money, and then you got to make a you got to try a three. And if you made it, you get a T-shirt. It was like the worst... 
heinous looking t-shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> I had to go to the old like Venardi Center to pick it up on a random Tuesday. They didn't even have it there when you... At the, oh, no. Really? I don't think that they even had them ready. Like, like, no, one's gonna hit, up, no one's going to hit this shot. We don't really need to give them a t-shirt. This like, is <laughs> pre-marketing department. I feel like <laughs> it was just like Sarver thought of it one afternoon. He's like, this would be a great idea. But it was the middle of the winter, and so everybody walking onto the court had snow all over their feet, and like their, their shoes were wet and muddy, and so you could just see the guys that are getting ready for the second half, like getting yeah. the court prepped. They're like, oh my God, you cannot believe, like, what did you do this? But I drilled this shot from the top of the key really? and just ran around like a crazy man. I was like, made the rest of the court all I was, slippery. I was after that. 13. I mean, all right. I didn't make any baskets in my like intramural league at that yeah. age, but I hit one on the Civic Auditorium floor so i played a pickup um, game one of my first creating games at the civic auditorium during that same era you talked about oh like the, yeah, they the, pit the ki- when they pit like the kids against kids i swear that you used to be able to walk on the court after games and just play pickup my i, I don't i did not imagine that that was like an experience of mine like it was sure. just a bunch of people ages like 30 to 10 <laughs> and like just shooting around Playing after creating lost by 25 or something like that it was crazy oh, if they were lucky 25 if they were lucky <laughs> I know we just kind of jumped into this. I want to give a huge shout out to Script Town uh, for having us again here for Absolutely. our third. Uh, yeah, there you go. See, big got big the harvest, time. got the harvest brown, right? Harvest, harvest brown. brown. That's yeah. an that's an award winning beer. Award winning. That's an award winning yeah. beer. Because that's my drink of choice every week. That's tasty. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be here at Script Town every week. We got a bunch of questions that uh, flew in today on Twitter and through mailbag at whiteandbluereview.com. So if you guys have any out there uh, in the crowd too, John or Darren will be walking around getting some questions picked up um, during the Mitch Ballack interview. But I know we jumped right into things, Matt. I'd be remiss if I didn't say happy college basketball, Eve. Happy college basketball, Eve to it's you, a big Brian. night. Did yeah. you go to church today? I went to the Are you CHI Center. Does that count as basketball it does. church? Right? Yeah, basketball church. Yeah. Okay. So I know that everybody's been just falling over themselves to get their get your practice reports. You went today, the walk around at CHI Health Center. What practice looked like today? You mentioned earlier nobody got hurt, but how are the Jays prepping for their season opener Tuesday night against Western Illinois? Uh, prep's going good. You know, the, the, I, like I said, I think I alluded to it in our previous uh, shows was that the scouting's a little different this year. Um, it's more of a collaborative effort every game. Um, you know, the new assistant coach, Paul Lusk, has the defensive side of things. Okay. Al Huss has the offense. Big Al. Yep. Preston Murphy has, like, personnel. So he's kind of watching – he's kind of watching Western Illinois side of thing, and, you know, uh, finding tendencies, strengths, and weaknesses and things like that. And then, uh, obviously, Coach Mack is overseeing the whole thing, putting all the parts together. The puppet master. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, it really Good. is. I mean, he's working the defense, what's the offense. It, I mean, what's it – it's, I know it's, it's been a couple weeks, but like, what's it feel like at practice compared to the last couple of years when the way they scouted and the way they ran things was different? What's it feel like? At f- um, not it's not terribly different. It just this game, it feels like it's a little bit different because everybody's kind of got a voice. And I think Coach Lusk talked Lusk talked about it when you're an assistant coach and you have an assignment coming up in five days. Let's say. They did it the old way. They did it where they'd have each assistant coach have a team coming up. So, like, let's say Huss has East Tennessee State, which they're sure. playing on Sunday. He wouldn't be as much of a presence at today's practice preparing for Western Illinois just because his mind is focused on East Tennessee State. Sure. But when East Tennessee State, East Tennessee State comes up, he has a prominent voice. And, like, say Coach Lusk or Murphy won't have as much of a voice because they'll be preparing for theirs. Okay. So – Western Illinois, everybody had a voice. Like Husk had Husk had his opportunities with the offense, Lusk with the defense, Mac with everybody, Preston with if certain guys weren't being defended properly, um, or they're letting them get to their 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 strong suit, their strong areas of the game, going right, going left, things like that. Um, that's when he jumps in. So it's just it's a really collaborative effort. I think it's a lot like if I were to compare it, I know people don't go to practice for volleyball, but if you went to a volleyball practice, you'd see something similar to that. You know, Coach Booth, Coach Oxley Barons, um, Coach Dyer, and obviously Meek and um, Tom Mendoza in the past. You can't, yeah, you can't forget a coach's yeah, name no, when no, you're no. going through that list. They've all kind of like every practice has kind of been like you hear three or four voices uh, constantly coaching you up, telling you tendencies and things like that. So it's that's what it sounds like in the men's basketball gym this this time around is everybody's kind of got a an equal voice. Um, in terms of getting everybody prepared. Okay. So Western Illinois, they've had a couple exhibitions under their belt, and I guess I haven't read Tom's 
polyfro primer yet. Should you admit uh, that um, when he's listening? I don't know. Well, if he's, I have a routine. I, just, okay. I have a routine. I read it the morning of the game, okay. regardless of when he publishes it. And I take my time with my cup of coffee and my crate and mug. I read the prime. I go all the way down to the bottom of the post first. Put the music on that he has as his random music uh, video of the day. Right. And then I scroll all the way back up to the top and I read as I'm, you know, taking in the sounds of some sweet like yacht rock band or <laughs> 80s hair band or whatever Tom's got for us. And you're um, able to process all the goodies that he gives oh, you yeah. throughout that whole. I that's your be- situation. That's I you learned better with music. Yeah. Not, you know. Yay, who's talking at me like we are. But, uh, I'm not sure if he talked about Kobe Webster in that, but Kobe Webster, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think we're going to watch out for number 10. Just ladies and gentlemen, Kobe Webster. Oh, now Kobe you're, Webster. Now you're setting this kid up to be something maybe he isn't. Well, he's played two exhibition games yeah. so far. He's attempted um, 13 three-pointers. 14. 14 total. He's made 12. He has made 12. So he's gone for 22 in back-to-back exhibition games. He lets it fly. How do the Jays size up against him? And um, a team that, even though they're picked last in the Summit League, they've got two first-team preseason (laughs) Summit League members and a bunch of good freshmen. I don't know. I'm not good at math. I don't know how that works because, I mean, I think of the Summit League as a one-bid league with, like, another team that's, like, usually has a chance to knock off the the team that's expected to make it all the way. You know what I mean? Sure. So, like, you think it's not a team, not a league deep enough to make – Teams sweat out NCAA tournament bids. Um, but they're picked last. UNO's picked eighth. They're picked ninth. Um, but they have, like I said, there's you know the 10-team all-league preseason. They have two of those guys on it. One of them is uh, the Kobe Webster kid you mentioned before, six-foot, 160-pound guard. So he probably weighs 140 because you know how media sure. guys are. So Right. Um, in terms of how they match up with him, maybe you think he's like a speedster who can get his shot off really well. So okay. uh, Davion Mintz. Um, tip of the cap. Good luck to that because that's probably your assignment. Um, but then they have the center, Ben uh, Brandon Gilbeck, excuse me, seven foot, 235. Legit big guy, senior. Um, was the Summit League Defensive Player of the Year last year, so we know what that's like. Uh, but he averaged 10, 8, or 10 and 8, three blocks a game last year. Um, shot 67% from the field or 66% from the field. Um, he's terrible at the free throw line, so you probably want to foul him a lot. Okay. Get him to the line. But, I mean, that's – so you got to do the player of the year in your league as center. You have a guy who can drop – Who's legit seven foot. Yeah, legit seven foot. Um, then you have a guy who can shoot the daylights out of it, um, who's a little speedster maybe. Obviously, he's tough to guard somehow, so uh, – his, his name's Kobe, Kobe. so that's he's pretty sweet. Kobe. I mean, you know he's going to shoot I'll pretty much just Kobe. be yelling that all game long. Yeah, sure. But then they have two freshmen in uh, – you know, Ben Pyle was uh, Mr. Basketball in Kansas last year. Whoa. Um, Did him and Mitch cross paths at all? Do you know? Um, I think Mitch does know him, know his sure. name. His brother. Because, you know, like everybody in Kansas knows each other. Every like, good hey, you know my Kansas. friend? Like, hey, you going to KU? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> going to Western Illinois, man. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, through two exhibition games, he's averaging 10, 6, and 4 assists. So, um, he can shoot it a little bit from 3, too. So, I mean, he's 6, 7. 185, that's a pretty decent playmaking wing right there. I feel like we've done more Western Illinois podcasting right now than they probably have dedicated for their entire that's, school. You think that's, that's more true? than likely true, but yeah, I kind of want people to know what's going on here because on paper, although they're picked ninth in the Summit League by their fellow coaches, I think um, I think this has a chance to be a more difficult first game of the season than Yale was last year. Okay. And I know everybody was like, Oh, Yale's right. pretty decent. Was there not sure. like a, yeah. you know, Yale's a team that you think can make the NCAA tournament. They're really talented. They've got a kid that's, you know, a quasi-NBA prospect type of deal. Sure. People were legitimately concerned about that first game test right there. And I think this team has a chance to, on paper, they evaluate. They look like they're pretty good. They got okay. some pieces. So I'm surprised at their preseason prognostication. Um, but we'll see them. Obviously, we'll see tomorrow. I think Creighton's, you know, game plan is obviously to speed the game up as much as possible. Because um, they probably feel like Western Illinois doesn't have the depth to hang with them. Um, go small a little bit more. I wouldn't hmm. be surprised to see. Like, you remember when we talked about, uh, Coach McDermott talked about the starting lineups being fluid and based on and matchup based throughout the year. I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, you see that they have a seven footer as a defensive player of the year uh, coming in if Creighton decides to combat that with a small lineup, four guard lineup to try to just exploit him and get him running up and down. Because um, I don't think Creighton – I don't know how confident Creighton feels in, if, in, the, in their ability to combat that. Maybe they want to just flip it and make him uncomfortable 
and make him get into a track meet um, as a way to neutralize him, especially if he's averaging three blocks a game. Sure. You know what I mean? You kind of want to get him up and down and get away from the rim as much as possible. So right. having him trail in the play will be the way to do that. So Bringing Martin um, out, having yeah. Samson play. But I think they're four there. deep. I mean, they, Zion Young is another freshman. Six foot four, one ninety from Simeon High School. Who that's a legit Jared basketball. Rose, Parker, two guys that used to be good at basketball, um, that aren't anymore. The Bulls are suffering with one of those guys currently. Uh, but I mean, that's a legit team, legit program. Um, was number one in Illinois last year, number seven in the country. So, you know, he brings a lot of talent. I think he's averaging sixteen and shooting sixty percent from three in their two exhibitions. So he's lit it up so far. Um, but they have legit offensive talent. So all that being said, the Jays, from everything you see, I think the app I follow has the Jays giving 19.5 for a season opening game. Yep. Uh, I know Xavier, I think I saw they're giving 20 in their season opener. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, I haven't looked too closely ahead, I think, to the Big East race um, and how things shake out. I know I, Johnny Atawa had his Big East uh, preview earlier um, in the last couple days, and I think he had the Jays in one of the more um, favorable spots that, uh, compared to some of the national prognosticators. He had the Jays sixth in that league. I mean, obviously the Big East in the regular season standings always comes down a lot to tie break yeah. and head-to-head. Uh, like where Creighton finishes in a seven-way tie for third place or something like that. <laughs> right, and then they end up playing like Wednesday night in New York City. Like, great, I got third place in the Big East. Uh, I'm going to be home after that. I, that website with the tiebreaker scenarios is a trip every year. Oh, I, man. That's my favorite site. I, I easily contribute way too much traffic to that thing. He's <laughs> trying to decide scenarios and there stuff like go. that. Um, yeah, so I, I know John had the J sixth. Um, I, maybe we'll get into this at the end of the show after we play our Mitch interview and touch on some of the other sports on the Hilltop. But um, anybody out there in the crowd, too, you know, where do you think the Jays fall this year in the Big East, knowing what the conference has where, lost? What, where, do you, where, are you, where are you feeling like you want to put all your chips in? What spot, do you, what, what spot is going to, like, make you feel like anything below that is going to make me disappointed? Uh, I, 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 I'd be sick. I, I, I'd, I'd take sixth. Okay. Because to me, like mentally getting my head wrapped around playing on Wednesday night, like granted, I know every DePaul, some of these other schools, you know, they've been there more times than we have, but just staying out of that, whatever that play in round mentality is, I just feel like for the amount of money that this program has at its disposal and the amount of fan support it has and the, the clear advantage it has over a lot of the schools in facilities. And just the way that our recruiting has improved over the course of the last seven, eight years, um, I feel like even in a really strong league, uh, playing in that playing game is just not where you want to be. Uh, mentally, I can't get my head wrapped so around Xavier, being in there. Xavier was a team that got that playing game and went to the Elite Eight. I understand. So, I mean, it's not that's not a death, death knell either to be no, in that spot. No, but think about so. how much the league had that year. Yeah, that's true. All the way top yeah. to bottom. I mean... DePaul was And you could argue that Xavier team didn't even deserve to be in the tournament in the first place. So the fact that they turned into an Elite Eight team, kind of they had to get lucky on Selection Sunday in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, that so. was Trayvon and JP yeah. really turning things on there in that run. And, um, you know, really that season, DePaul was about the only team that I would have pegged as deserving of that Wednesday night uh, moniker. Um, but I, I, and that's where I just feel like I don't know enough about the Big East this year, what other teams have coming in with new players, both freshmen and the transfer spots. I know what's left the conference, which is massive. Um, but, you know, I just – I'm super interested in how the non-con is going to go for the conference as a whole. I think you look up and down, the, the league, again, has a lot of great opportunities. I think a team like Marquette has a ton of quality non-conference opportunities – and if they get on, they're going to beat anybody, mm -hmm. right? If they just knock down shots and they've got a little bit of height this year again. Um, and so, you know, Villanova, I feel like you know what you're going to get. They've got a really tough schedule, though, too. They're going to KU um, and playing at Fog Allen. Um, and I, and I, I think they're in – are they in Maui as well? I can't remember who's in Maui. Yeah, I can't remember either. You're probably I, right. I'm not in Maui. I know that. <laughs> uh, I'm in day, Omaha. -ha. Maybe we'll get there. But yeah, I, I mean, we can talk. I I want your opinion later after the sh uh, you know at the end of the show. But I think that's where I'm sitting. I I liked John's pick. Six feels good to me because you're um, that means you've 
That means you've won a couple games in the league that probably well six people is probably ten any. wins, right? That's yeah. probably a double digit nine, yeah. nine ten wins. Yeah, which for what our staff gets paid and what our uh, what our fan what the number of people that pack our building. Not that those things necessarily need to translate or should translate to wins, but I mean, you know, seventeen thousand packing every night. Uh, they they need to see a winner, and I think sixth in the conference, even seventh, gets you there. in a, a rebuilding year. Is yeah okay. So that's where I'm at. Um, so, I mean, tomorrow night, we won't have another podcast between now and Sunday. East Tennessee State comes to town. Now, that's a whole yeah. different ball game. They're a decent team, yeah? They were last year. They were last year. I haven't really dug deep into them, but I know I remember watching that um, Xavier game. At Centos Center. At yeah. Centos Center, and they put it on Xavier. Yeah. I mean, they were up like 22, 23 points in the first half, second half. They were really beating down the Musketeers, and uh, you know Trayvon Blue would end up going crazy and getting Xavier back in that game and getting them that win. But that was a that was an eye opener. I remember texting Mac too. I was like, because he always worries about uh, uh, finals week, sure. right? So that was finals week for Xavier, and they were just getting handed to him. <laughs> I was like, man, this finals week stuff from you coaches is serious legit, business. Huh? Yeah. Like, now I know why you worry. And he goes, no, man, East Tennessee State is legit. They're really well coached. Huh. They got some players. Um, so I know they caught his eye last year for sure. I don't know how much of that talent is back this year. Um, I, I imagine they were an experienced group last year because they had a really good season. But I don't know how much of that is the same as it is this year. Sure. So we'll see. That'll be interesting, though. I certainly think when I saw East Tennessee State on the schedule, my eyes were like, oh, wow. Yeah. Because I know that's a team that's really well coached. I know that's a team that was able to go into Xavier last year, a tough place to play, and, and hang up, somehow build a 20-point lead on the Musketeers. Well, so. not like a team like the Jays with so many new guys in the mix have the opportunity to have a um, to have kind of a, a trap game necessarily. But, it, I mean, you, you imagine you'll have the season opener Tuesday night, and then a week from then – You've got Ohio State in the building, a huge brand. You got a familiar coach there in Chris, uh, in Chris Holtman, and uh, you know East Tennessee State on a Sunday afternoon. You don't want that to be a trap game, so you got to be at it. And I think that's what I'm most excited for. Not that guys like Marcus or Kyrie or anybody the last year or two would have taken a game like that for granted, but there's so many guys that are fighting for minutes. There's so many guys that are fighting for position that, I mean, I love to see guys just get out there, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is. They gotta, they gotta, you gotta do you, right? You gotta get out there. You gotta try to make a name for yourself, make a case for yourself, and get playing time any way you can. Because every position, even you'll see it with Marcus, right? Zagorowski at the point with Davion, he's fighting for minutes. He wants to play. He didn't come here to sit, and he didn't come here to just kind of bide his time behind Davion. So get out there, East Tennessee State. Whatever the team, whatever the opponent says on the jersey, you get out there. You treat that game like. You're prepping for Ohio State. You're not looking past. You're it. like pumping me up right now. Right? You're giving me a I'm excited. Like, it's all these people that were clapping in here earlier, yeah, man. They got me going. I'm trying to fire. Up I didn't even have my normal like, like intro. We should like calm them down. Maybe. I'm normally doing this in my pajamas, dude. Like <laughs> trying to be quiet because I want to wake up the kids. This is great. <laughs> all right. So I think uh, everybody that's here that wants to listen to this exclusive interview with Mitch, I think we should get it on him here real quick. And then what we can do is after our good 20, 25 minute interview with Mitch, we can. Uh, Touch on um, obviously the t- the school's best chance for a national championship, the Creighton volleyball program. Not to prove um, Obviously, a regular season champion in the men's soccer program, who will host a semifinal match this week at Morrison Stadium against Marquette, and then also dig into uh, Coach Flannery's women's basketball team that opens their regular season here in a couple nights as well. But first, let's get you into this interview with Mitch Ballack, uh, Matt. Again, let's set this up a little bit for. Um, for anybody listening um, at home before they dig in, I know you spent some time with Mitch. Yep. What would you guys touch on? How'd it go? Uh, well, we mentioned the process uh, that he goes through kind of just to perfect his his game and make improvements from his freshman season um, where he gets that work ethic. Um, talk about the K-State game, how much that's lingered, how much that's stuck with him. Uh, just that feeling of having an opportunity to where you felt like you were the better team, but you didn't play well enough to win the game that night. Um, talk a little about the, a little bit about the Providence game where um, he left that game tying three short, just kind of what that how, – how he recovered from that quickly to turn around and play pretty well against K-State, um, which showed some maturity, I thought. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about the FBI thing that's hanging around, just in terms of how the players are internalizing that and dealing with that distraction um, and making it not a distraction, I guess I should say. Sure. Uh, you know how they're just kind of trying to focus on the season as best they can with all the outside noise on social media and things like that. Sure. Um, and then we just touch on, we just dive into Western Illinois a little bit and talk a little bit about the first game challenge of facing a team that everybody thinks you can, you should kind of walk over, but sure. maybe isn't that team. You know, we'll see. So. Um, yeah, that's basically the, the main topics we touch on uh, throughout the 25 minutes. Okay, well, we won't just trust you. We'll listen to the interview here with Mitch Ballack, Creighton sophomore, sharpshooter, leader of this program. Um, coming Sniper into, squad. Sniper squad coming into his second season on the Hilltop. So here's Mitch Ballack sitting down with Matt DeMoranis. I forgot to introduce you and me at the beginning of this. Like, I was so yeah. caught up in this. I, like, I think people know by now. I hope. I mean, yeah, this I'd is episode so. 47. Something. 47. 47. Okay, so episode 47. We are who we are. Script Town hosting us tonight. We're going to go ahead and get 25 minutes here with Mitch Ballack on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Hey, Mitch, thanks for taking time after practice and obviously a shooting workout afterwards that was uh, Mitch-like because you don't like missing. Right. Um, but I appreciate you taking time because I know you guys are really busy, especially with the season, getting ready to get going here. Um, so thank you for taking time out to talk to us. I, I just wanted to ask you real quick, just to get started, because that workout obviously was typical of you. I think people will be surprised um, how harsh of a critic you are of your own performance, even just the little bitty details of your jump shot. Um, so I was kind of curious, when did that? Where did that? Where does that mentality come from? In terms of, um, it just seems like there's a perfectionist mentality to it. Mm -hmm. Even when you hit some shots, they don't they don't feel right. Right. Um, you know, you'll kind of get frustrated with that. So I guess where does that mentality come from in terms of just trying to iron out your jump shot? Uh, a lot of it just comes from my family, like people who've done it before me. My my sister, uh, she was a good track athlete, and she was just a freak. Like with everything she did, like she'd warm up 50 minutes to an hour before her races, and she'd run. A 300 and then she'd be in 300 hurdles and she'd be done and just the step-by-step -step approach she had going into those workouts and her day-to-day -day, like mentality I guess going into each and every workout I just watched that from I mean I was I was a elementary school kid when she was so I was learning that and I saw my brothers doing it uh, the same thing in basketball I just saw them rep after rep whether they made it, made it or missed it they just kind of had that mentality to that I have now. I developed it from them. And then just every day seeing my parents do what they do. I mean, obviously they raised six of us and they work all the time. My parents were always working just to make ends meet just in the, so they can come watch us play mm -hmm. at this part of the year. So just seeing them do that, I think I just developed a mindset to where just be a, basically trying to be a perfectionist. And at the end of the day, uh, like you said, I don't like missing shots, and I don't think I should miss any shots because my mechanics, I mean, I feel like my if, if everything, my base and my mechanics and everything is, it feels good, then I think it should go in. So mm -hmm. when I miss a shot, it's just I don't really like missing it. I don't really expect to. So honestly, I just picked it up from them at a young age and just got the ball rolling with that. I mean, but good if you, if you figure good three-point shooters are around 40 or above, um, at what point do you feel good about your shot from just the percentage of shots that go in, I guess? How do you end the day feeling confident in what you do compared to, like, if you miss a shot, you get frustrated, and if you miss the next one, it obviously snowballs. Right. So, like, how do you, I guess, how do you train your mind to say, look, you're going to miss shots. Not right. everyone. You're not going to be 100% from three. Right. Um, right. And on, honestly, I try and make, I mean, here I do, sometimes I do five spots, sometimes I do seven spots. It's just making ten in a row, and then I usually stop when, I mean, usually I finish in the corner. Uh, if I'm in the corner, I make 10 and then plus until mm -hmm. I miss. So sometimes I get, I think the most I've gotten at Creighton is like 41 or something until I miss. 41 in a row? 41 in a row in the corner before wow. I stop. So honestly, I just go until I stop or until I miss. And then in games, obviously, you're going to miss shots. People are flying at you, shot clock situations. Mm -hmm. You're just going to miss shots. But like you said, that snowball effect, you can't really can't really dwell on the last one just keep all the mechanics the same and the next one's going to go and night in night out people are going to I mean sometimes you might shoot five for six from the three and sometimes you might shoot one for six from the three it's just that's just the game and you just got to keep shooting and Max drilled that into my mind I mean he gets mad he even took me out a lot of the times last year when I didn't shoot yeah so, so now I mean Mac put that belief in me and I just got to do it my, myself just 
everything else is just going to play itself out because I put the work in after practice or in the extra workouts or whatever. So everything will come together and just believe in it, just keep shooting, you know. I was thinking about your season last year and trying to break it down just in terms of just, in, you know, trying to find the the when you were playing well, when you were playing well, and it kind of like, it, it really it does come down to when the shot was going in for you. It all kind of starts there. But, you know, in the non-conference portion of the season, you know, you're around 37%, which is pretty good. Um, obviously, for you, you want it to be higher, but I understand, right. I understand that. But, I mean, just in terms of just objectively, 37% for a true freshman at the D1 level, considering the teams you guys played especially, is good. Non-conference, or conference play starts, I think those first 13 games – in the Bemidji State game, it was bad. It was Below twenty percent, you were frustrated in a slump. No question about it. Um, but that Bemidji State game, something happened. You missed your first six shots, and it looked like it could tell from watching it on the sideline that it was starting to snowball. You, it was it was affecting you. But Mac was really trying to get you to get one to go in. He was force feeding you at that point. Do you right. remember that game? Yeah. Well, to I the hit point one where you were trying on the other to... side, right under that one. I remember that was the first shot I hit. Okay. And do you remember hit. like the reaction, the crowd reaction, his reaction at uh-huh. the timeout when he kind of met you at half court really after you hit that? Like, do you remember all of that? Yeah, I remember all that. Like, it was honestly like it was yesterday because I was going through a shooting slump. Like you said, I was shooting terribly and he just, just kept drilling, just keep shooting. Like, it's going to come. Like, he knows. I mean, and that's a huge reason why I came here because he trusts me and I have that trust in him that he's going to, like, we're going to work together to hopefully put some things together and string some make some shots together. But Because uh, the rest uh, of your season after that was as like, uh, good as you shot all year. So that, that game, that moment, was a springboard. It, just statistically, when you look at it, mm-hmm. you can trace it back to that because you uh, shot well every game after that. Yeah. So I guess what did that do for you? Um, because you're at that point in your season, you're entering that stage where you're not freshman anymore, is what right. coaches like to say. Because you've had all these games, had all these reps, mm-hmm. and you're kind of expected to do what you're expected to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess what did that that game, that moment, when it felt like it was just a game thrown in the middle of the schedule, just to kind of get guys reps, and you know it wasn't a game where you guys were worried about losing and things like that. Right. What did that do for you um, to help you springboard the rest of the season to where you shot it better than you had been shooting all year? Uh, it was basically, I mean, Mac just put my confidence, honestly, he just got my confidence back in me. Uh, Marcus and Taz and those guys were just kept on, kept telling me if we drive and kick, just shoot the ball, no matter what, just keep shooting it. And Mac, same thing, just keep shooting, shooting, shooting. And a lot of, a lot of, I started listening to people, honestly, telling me how to shoot. Honest, and during that time, I when just you were, kept, when you weren't shooting well, yeah, because okay. I tried to fix it and tried to do this and this, and it just wasn't broken. It was just the fact that. I don't know, I just got to get more, like, rhythm looks and just keep shooting. Honestly, my mechanics weren't anything wrong, but people started telling me this is you should do this, do this, and this, and I tried to think, and then I just started thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then Coach Husk last year in D-Rock, they were just telling me, about that point, they were honestly just like, just shoot the ball. Like, don't think about it, don't worry about it. So then I got back to just doing what I, doing me, honestly. And just, at that point, I just started, I made that shot, and then, like you said, after that, I started making more shots uh, as the season went on, but... I just want to see that percentage keep growing. Where are you at right now in, in terms of how you deal with that mentally? Now in year two of your career, do you do you feel like you handle that better or do you feel like a shooting slump could affect you again? Like, I guess, where are you in terms of the confidence in your mechanics Yeah. Um, and your ability to knock down shots when teammates give you the ball and things like that? Yeah, I was actually just talking about it with Jordans uh, before practice when we were warming up because you just – I'm, I'm way more I'm, – I'm past it, I guess, if – that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean is people say things or if I'm in a shooting slump, like, whatever, I'm just going to keep shooting it. It doesn't really bother me anymore because I know, like, I'm doing everything the right right way with shooting. I'm my, Sometimes when I miss, I, I usually know right after I shoot the ball that what I did. So it kind of eats at me because sometimes I, I'm better than that, but sometimes my feet will get a little off balance or I won't catch it or I'll spin it or whatever. So honestly, I just – I don't even worry about it. I don't listen to anybody. If I'm missing shots, I just keep shooting. Because there was a moment where it could have affected you, I guess, again, when you missed the three against Providence at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. But then you came back against Kansas State, and I think you knocked down four or five. So, I mean, do you feel like that was another, not to lead you into that, but like, do you feel like that was a sign of you being able to get past a moment where 
a disappointment in your shot where you could possibly start to tweak uh-huh. it a little bit and think too much into it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that could definitely I could uh, snowball in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But with that one, honestly, I wish I could have that shot back. <laughs> yeah, you have three years does. to get it back, I guess. Yeah, but, right. I mean, you'll have more opportunities. You're but. right. And that one, I just, I, I just didn't get any lift, honestly. And being a freshman, that was the first time I've ever played in the garden. That was the first time I've ever been to the garden. So, well, besides the freshman fundamental stuff. But mm-hmm. that was just, like, that's what you dream of doing. You, you dream of having that shot when you're first grader in the playground, just messing around. You, I mean, five, four, three, two, one. you want to hit that shot. Mm-hmm. But when I left it, when I, when I let it go, I knew I left it short just because I didn't get any lift in my legs. And I was so wide open, it just kind of caught me off guard. And, and just, People say those are sometimes the hardest shots to hit. Yeah, just, you have... <laughs> everybody your whole squad behind you and you it's just up to you and I, I missed it so and honestly I just next shot you know next play next play mentality it took it kind of people talk about oh you have a you got to have a next play mentality but it's I mean it's easier said than done oh, sure. until you figure it out and I think late last year I started to figure it out because I was in more of a rhythm and I was in more of a rotation that I knew kind of how I was playing and how I was going to do so it was like if I miss a shot shoot the next one you know because you're not you're not going to get to a point where you're going to come out. And I even talked to Mac. I was like, I feel if, if I miss a shot, I'm coming out. You know, because then I had that Last in my year? Head. Yeah. So okay. I talked to him. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to take you out. And he's like, just shoot the ball. He's like, he's like, I don't care if you make them or miss them. Just, I know you can shoot it, so just keep shooting. So that helped me a lot going forward mm-hmm. because, I mean, I talked to him, and he talked to me back and just gave me a real answer. So that helped me a lot going forward, and I started to make shots. So it basically just put the confidence back in me, and that's – what helped me a lot this, last year. This year there's obviously going to be more opportunities to shoot the ball with less attempts for Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas. Um, did you pick up anything last year uh, just from going through the game preps and and then watching the films and going through the games of seeing how other Big East teams and coaches uh, try to take away your guys' top options because you know you're you and Tyshawn and you know, Davion already moved up, you know, a line, which, wherever wherever it stands in the pecking order because of those guys not being here anymore. Right. What did you, I guess, learn about the way teams prepare for top offensive options to the point where, I don't know, anything you could possibly use maybe? Yeah, I think the thing, I think the thing is with them, uh, I mean, they were so gifted offensively that if you try and take away their shot, like they could put it on the floor and get to the rim, and they were good at also just like including us. Like they get to the rim and they draw so much attention, they jump stop and they kick it out to us and we'd have open shots. So I think a lot of that will come into our hands, like with Davion, Tyshawn, and me, and just those Marcus Cash come up. Those guys, they'll, they'll, we'll, they'll put us in a good situation because like our we get a lot of open shots just because the way we play mm-hmm. and the way we space the floor. And it's so hard to guard. So, and a lot of times we get a lot of dribble penetra- penetration, and you're going to get a kick out three. So honestly, I think we have a lot of weapons on the three like we always do every year. And seeing those guys do it and how they handled it, how they handled scouting reports, because obviously their scouting reports were geared towards them to just take them two away, and that will give other teams chances to win. And seeing those guys and how versatile they were, they were it just makes it a lot harder to guard. Plus, when you have guys that can space it, so mm-hmm. if we get in the lane and jump stop and kick it, we have four guys on the perimeter that can shoot the three. So that takes a lot of the pressure off of us and also took a, a decent amount of pressure off of them because they're so gifted and they can make plays and make it easier for us, and we took a little pressure off them. So hopefully that will just keep working working for us and we'll get open shots like we always do just because that's how our offense is set up. I'm curious about – your thoughts on maybe the perfect storm that was the end of the season last year because you guys kind of had your back against the wall when Villanova came into town and then you find out that morning that Ronnie isn't going to play um, so that obviously was a big burden on you because you had to play a lot of the four and I think you played 43 minutes mm-hmm. that game I thought to go double overtime um, and and you hit a big shot in the corner you hit two big free throws I mean, you were working well with Jake in terms of getting him looks late in the game that was at Villanova having trouble with. So you beat them, and then you and I and if you know that probably puts you in the NCAA tournament. You go into the NCAA tournament, you lose to K State, and then uh, UMBC turns around and beats Virginia. So mm-hmm. your second run opponent would have been a 16 seed. Villanova goes on to win the national title, a team you guys beat. That perfect storm of all of 
all of those facts. Going one and done in the tournament, having a 16 seed that would have been your second-round opponent, possibly. Right. If you had taken them out, you could go on a run, um, be a second-weekend team. And then the fact that the team that won the national title was a team you knocked off shorthanded uh, without all your pieces. Like, right. How did that sit with you at the end of the year? Uh, honestly, um, we went we, – I mean, we watched Nova all year uh, just for scouting reports and just because they're in our conference. But the thing is with Nova, they just do – they just – do a good job at coming in night in, night out, and just being consistent, consistently good. Mm-hmm. And with us, that game, whenever it was in February sometime, I think, when we played Nova, we were, I mean, we were at the top of our game, and we were all locked in just because, I mean, maybe because we were a man down. Mm-hmm. And we all, like Tyshawn, Davion, Jake, me, I mean, we were guys that maybe don't have that much experience, but we just kind of rose to the occasion to, when our number, when our number was called, in that sense, um, but how that sat with us, honestly, I just the loss to Kansas State sits a lot worse with me than seeing Villanova win the championship just because of their preparation and and their consistency of how they play. Just you felt like they were deserving of to uh, go on that run type of deal. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I I mean I if it was anybody to do that, I think it's Nova mm-hmm. the last year just because I mean I might be biased just because I'm in the Big East and we're playing against them. But just well, they proved it. I mean, they, yeah, they proved they it. Did. Yeah, and they're just their the attention to detail and their perfection. Like, it's just they did it with a lot of consistency and night in and night out, and that it showed against everybody in the tournament. I mean, they they blew everybody out of the water. Mm-hmm. But knowing that we could have got back to K State if we would have been a little bit a little bit better, a little bit more consistent, or doing the little things a little bit more, mm-hmm. then that sits with me a whole lot worse. So the Nova thing just. I mean, it is what it is. We beat them, and we had, a, what, 17-whatever yeah, behind us, packed, and this yeah. place was going crazy, so that helped a lot because the crowd, I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's hard to play here. And especially when we're making shots down the stretch and doing what we do, then it's it's really tough to beat us last year or beat us here anytime. Yeah, yeah. But Nova in the, championship, or in the tournament, they just did everything they needed to do with Consistency and that's so your thing is more the case. My thing is more more the case state. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I I'm sick about that one. Really? But yeah. I still. I watched that game the other day. I'm. That's a hard game to watch if you don't have a reason to watch it. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, that hurts. That one hurt a lot, honestly, because then going back, going back home over the summer and all that is just. Yeah, you had to go. That's right. Kind of catch a little different bit. Different perspective for you, huh? Yeah, I, that one hurt. That one hurt a little bit, but. Especially because I mean, case my town is kind of half K State, half KU, right? And it's I don't know. Does how how much does it linger? It still lingers. Really? But yeah, okay. I still think about that game. I don't know because we had an opportunity. And we I feel like maybe I mean some people don't feel like this, but from my opinion, I think we were the better team. We just didn't play that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what it, it happens. Takes it happens sometimes. Yeah, you only get one. Short. You only get one chance, and then it's over. Um, so going into this season, obviously there's a lot of outside noise. Um, just with the FBI trial into the into college basketball and things like that, obviously Creighton has been pulled into that um, via the Brian Bowen recruitment. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys are all on social media and you read the stories. It's kind of hard to ignore from in terms of all the outside noise that are just being pumped towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just curious, though, how much of it is on your daily mind, I guess, when you're practicing, when you're just in the gym shooting around, when you're, or even when you're just not thinking about the things you have to do on the basketball court, how much of that is a distraction to you? Um, you know, as the season gets ready to roll right here with that with that kind of trial eating up most of the summer. Uh, when everything came out at at the start, it was kind of on our minds more. I mean, speaking for my for myself, uh, it was on my mind more. But we talked about it as a team, and we just we honestly just stick together and do what we got to do on the court just to basically throw that out of the way and don't let it be a distraction and we we don't really know anything about it mm-hmm. we don't we know as much as you know I mean I don't know anything and uh we just play it out but honestly ever since I mean until you brought it up I haven't even thought about it really yeah to be honest I My just, bad. yeah I just <laughs> come out I just come out and play and Mac Mac doesn't worry about it no one's worried about it so we just come out and we're just trying to figure it out with the new pieces that we have and just put it together and do what we want to do to do something special this year and hopefully be the first team to do what everybody wants us to do right. yeah 
So How, how's that gone for you there? I mean, not to just jump off back to basketball real quick, but like you got a new assistant coach and a and a prominent one gone. Like D Rock was here mm-hmm. twenty years and a prominent voice, like a guy, you know, you guys know what he's about right. on a daily basis. So you have a new coach in his role, um, who has does things a little bit differently, especially defensively with the details he has you guys focused on. And then you also have a young team right. around you. How is all that stuff, when you throw it into the blender and try to work on it on a daily basis, how's that stuff coming together? Um, just all the things that probably are at top of mind. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to help us from a game-to-game uh, viewpoint, honestly. I think you're going to see us a little bit better on both ends of the floor every game just because we're, we're still getting to know each other as, as players and people and we're just trying to put it all together. Um, a big thing that I think uh, with kind of the new changes, I think it's going to get us over that next the le- like the level we're stuck at mm-hmm. is what it seems like the first round of the tournament. Yeah, I think it's trying to be a second weekend. Yeah, because okay. yeah, Coach Lasky, I mean, he brings a different Brings a different, kind of the same attitude, same kind of hard nosed. Yeah, hard nosed yeah. is D Rock, uh, but having so many new guys, it helps because it puts this idea in your head defensively. This is how we play defense. This is how we get after it, and this is who we have to be if we want to be good, and if we want to get to the point that we want to get to. And with the gap help and just all the stuff we watch with film, the digs on the bigs and everything, just being in the gaps and getting out to your man and taking away threes and just no baseline. We changed that from last year. It's just we take away the baseline, force everything middle to our help. So I think those little things, if we just put it together and just do it with a lot of energy and intensity, I think we could be very good defensively. And then offensively, we're just – I mean, we're so unselfish, we can put it together. And at the end of the day, it's just who's making shots if we get to the tournament and when we get to the tournament. So I think that with those additions, I think it, it'll help us take the next step. West Illinois, first opponent, mm-hmm. Tuesday night. You're gonna hear before we know it. I think, I think people, I think people expect uh, game one to kind of be the cupcake, and you get to feel them out, and right. you get to put up big numbers, and everybody gets to play, and all that sort of thing. Watching West Illinois, they're better than they're people mm-hmm. think they are. So, what what have you seen so far? Maybe of uh, the film you've got, all the returning players, um, the scout, you guys, things have talked about the emphasis. Um, on the things you feel like you're going to see prominently on Tuesday night, and just in terms of a game one opponent, uh, right. what they feel like you, what what kind of challenge you feel like they're going to present to you on Tuesday night? Yeah, like they have good guards and they have a good big inside, and they they play the right way. Uh, they attack, they get into the paint, and they spray and they shoot it well. So I think they put a lot of pressure on defenses, and in transition, they there's no like designated point guard. If they get a rebound, everybody's out. They're kind of like us. They mm-hmm. play like us in a sense, but I don't think they play as fast as we do just because I mean, we play pretty fast. But uh, You practice faster than you play, too. I think that would shock a lot of people. Oh, for sure. We do, and it's crazy. Because the pace you guys play in games is apparent, but, I mean, I think people would be shocked at how fast you actually play in, in practice. practice. Yeah, it's crazy. So, But I just think they can put a lot of pressure on the defense if we're not loaded to the ball and, like, getting back in transition. I think mm-hmm. they can do a lot, a lot of damage. So we just have to – Treat them like it's not a cupcake game, and just treat it like this is. I mean, this is an opponent. If we, if we're caught sleeping, honestly, yeah, then yeah. we're gonna we're gonna walk away disappointed. <laughs> right. Honestly, so just honestly, just sticking to the game plan and sticking to the scouting report and just executing everything, and I think we'll be okay. But do and you, just play with the pace we do. Yeah. Do you like having that as game one? Something you really have to like lock in on instead mm-hmm. of. Um, having like an exhibition feel to it where you feel like you're not going to be challenged and pushed as much where you guys can kind of just play free and um, sure. and and you know you can maybe make some mistakes and they'll still it won't be as costly but you know last year you had Yale um, who had probably uh, you know a wing that had right. some NBA potential. Um, potential and obviously they're an experienced team um, with NCAA tournament aspirations do you like having that game one mm-hmm. uh, maybe to help I guess to help you lock in to to help you I don't know what it would even help you do because there's so much pressure on you to win game one right. um, and get the thing started off right. But in terms of having a challenge in that first step. I, I like it because it develops good habits. I think games when when the opponent's not maybe as good as what they are. Yeah, like yeah. Have, I just think you create bad habits when you're playing against teams that are like that because you, you see things and things work that aren't going to work in the Big East. Sure. And 
even last year, like sometimes it happened to me and like I'd leave my feet to pass and I'd get out of it. But then in the Big East, you leave your feet and it's a turnover. Mm-hmm. So it's just those things. And I think Western Illinois is a team that can help us take a step forward and not really take a step backwards. So I think that's it'll be a good first game and, and get everybody locked in mentally and this is how it's going to be the rest of the year kind of thing. And it's just gonna, only going to get better. So cool. I think it's good for us. Well, thanks for sitting down. Yeah. Appreciate the time appreciate as always. Um, thanks for doing it. Yeah. Good luck on Tuesday night. Yep, sounds good. Have a good one. You too. All right, Matt. Another great interview. Was it? Do you think so? I liked it. I just think Mitch is an interesting dude. That's like, he's just a cool guy to talk to in general. It's not necessarily like about an interview. Like some guys think they're being interviewed and it shows like they get kind of nervous or sure try to find the right answer. Like, But some of them like Jordan Scurry, Mitch Ballack, even Marcus Zikorowski for a freshman, like the Aussie dudes, Jacob Epperson. I cannot wait. To I mean, you we, the like the conversations are endless. Like it just, it's just talking. The, so like they don't even feel like they're being interviewed. Half the Australian the time. dudes miss their families. Like they just want to talk to other people. Like meet new people. It's right. No joke. First time I interviewed Jacob Epperson, we talked for forty-five minutes. <laughs> not even That's about a, basketball. That is serious. Was he just I'm like, not even kidding. Was he asking you about like Runza we and like all the places we were just to go? About like yeah, the states and like all sorts of like cultural <laughs> things and. Uh, talk about Australia and the things they do. And Are you guys gonna be pen pals when he goes home? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but no, it was like a five minute interview and it was an hour conversation. That's awesome. Um, like he was just sitting there and it was like, after a while, I was just like, you know, you can go do whatever an eighteen year old does right now. Like, you can I know we. He's like, oh, all right, cool. I know we've been heavy on men's basketball. We're gonna segue into some of the other sports too. But I will. I'm just kind of curious, like. What's a sophomore leap look like for Mitch, look like for Tyshawn? Knowing the minutes they got last year, knowing the plays that were ran for them last year, you know, uh, they obviously got a lot of really good experience early on in their careers, and they were both playmakers in spurts mm-hmm. last year. Obviously, they they still, you know, hit a wall at some points, and they, you know, not everything went extremely well for them all the time. I mean, Mitch missed a ton of shots. In that championship game down in Kansas City against Baylor with a ton of fans watching. I mean, like, you know, it's just the roller coaster type stuff. But what's a what's a leap look like for those guys realistically? And then maybe what's like a, an upper level ceiling type sophomore leap look for those guys? I mean, they're both dead on shooters. Um, so that that's a recipe for success in today's game. They're going to get opportunities just because they're really talented. Um, you know, they both can... They both aren't like typical. They're not spot shooters. They can create their own shot. Like they're they have enough athleticism and savvy and smarts to create well, their own. shot. They both have like, extremely quick so, releases. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mitch, Mitch in particular. They're scorers as much as they are shooters. So sure. like, there's gonna be a jump here. It's just how much the diff, the the thing to watch is how much they can close the gap of like the ceiling of what sure. Marcus and Kyrie could do. Right. Because like Marcus and Kyrie, you knew what they averaged. But they also were capable of exceeding that when sure. they had to on like Kyrie what, hit first first five threes against Villanova. Like, if someone have that ability to be <sighs> a nail like knockdown yeah. dead eye, this is a big game. I gotta have a big performance type of moment. You know what I mean? Like Marcus dropped what thirty five against Georgetown when Creighton needed a win at home last year or two years ago. You know, like does, is, yeah. there, is there that gear? That's the jump they'll have to make because sure. they're the guys. Uh, but the opportunities are gonna be there. I, I just I want you know we'll see how quickly they grow into that, um, but I expect them to get opportunities, the, the majority of them specifically because I think those two are probably their most reliable scorers at this point right now. Sure, um, especially, especially in the, the perimeter, way, right? Yeah, yeah especially in the sure. perimeter in the offense. Yep. Speaking of the perimeter, no, I don't know. I just made that up. That's a terrible segue. One of my worst. Uh, yeah, but you usually have good ones. It's okay. The it's okay to miss every now and then. Creighton's best chance for a national championship, the volleyball program. Yep. Another unblemished weekend. Didn't drop a set. Uh, now they're home for last a good four of the regular season. Yeah, last four of the regular season and SoCal Arena for the Big East tournament. So they're off the road until potentially. And, and, and. The NCAA tournament because the committee released their top 10 seeds. And Creighton was number ten, which puts them safely um, to safe, host. Like, yeah, a right. cushion there, right? Yeah. Ten, the sixteen seeds will host. They're number ten right now. Sure. Um, so they have a little bit of a cushion with the rest of the season going on here. So there's a chance they might play in Omaha for the next month. So that works as long know, as they're playing. A lot after, of opportunities. As long season. as they're playing after that first weekend, man, I'm fine. <laughs> so I mean, because that's the bar, yeah. right? I mean, they have to, especially with those seniors. Like they don't right. want they don't want to go first weekend. Go right now, yeah. like that. Yeah. 
so they do well. They don't, you know, I mean, it's a machine at this point, it feels like, it with really is. how good they are and how poor the rest of the conference is. I mean, outside of Marquette. Any other given night. Marquette's, right. le- Marquette's legit and split tournament team. Sure. They'll but make some noise. They've also won six sets against them and dropped Oh, yeah. One. There's a gap, I mean, for sure. There's a gap. So the, the rest of the league down. The machine keeps churning. Obviously, anything can happen on a given night. Looking at the rest of their home schedule, um, and aside from the Big East tournament, just looking at the rest of their home schedule, the rest of their regular season schedule. Yeah, Villanova, Georgetown, Providence be, twice. Yep. If there's going to be a hiccup at home, Georgetown, Villanova, and then the, the Providence sandwich there the last weekend, what, do you, what, what's, what steps up to you? What sticks out to you as maybe that, maybe that, uh, that hiccup? This is going to sound like an unconventional answer that most people probably won't believe and Whoa. probably won't end up being true. Okay, you're setting yourself uh, up here. But I feel like that second Providence game is weird. Because, especially in, especially in Creighton's Darren position. left. He's done. <laughs> especially in Creighton's position when, like, if Creighton handles them the first night, like, playing a team you kick the crap out of 24 hours later doesn't necessarily lead to a very motivated group. And if you listen to our interview last week with Angie Oxley Barons, this group is at their best when they're the most focused and not necessarily loosey-goosey. So that second Providence game is going to be weird for me. It's going to be senior day, too, so there's going to be a lot of emotions going into that. Sure. Like, even though they still host the Big East tournament, that's their last like regular season home match and all that. Yeah. There's going to be something extra there that I think is like a weird dynamic. So I would peg that as a one that's probably – Difficult to deal with mentally, mm-hmm. uh, but Georgetown and Providence are obviously the two teams that are most capable of knocking them off the rest of this schedule sure. um, until the Big East tournament starts. If they face Marquette again, uh, you know Villanova's a team that's beaten them in Omaha. It's beaten them on the road. It beat them on the road last year, um, and Georgetown's a team that they've had to go five with a few times sure. um, in their run through these what now almost five years in a row of winning Big East championships. So. You know, those, this weekend is going to be probably the toughest weekend um, to deal with and just uh, in terms of the, the, the abilities of the other team. Sounds good. Georgetown on Friday night at DJ Sokol Arena, Villanova on Sunday afternoon, and then the following weekend they'll play Providence twice ahead of the Big East Championship. Speaking Better segue. Speaking of Big East Championship play, Elmar yeah. Bolovich's boys host a semifinal Wednesday night against Marquette. They do. Same night as the women's basketball program season kicks opener. off their season with the regular season opener. Let's talk about the boys at Fort Morrison first. Uh, obviously, the last time they played Marquette, very exciting. They got up one nothing, gave up an equalizer, and then immediately had uh, a, uh, 34, seconds, 34 later. seconds later get it on the board for good. Um, to win that one. I know they dropped a tough one on Halloween, uh, starting the scoring off and then giving up um, giving up a goal and then ultimately losing an extra time against Georgetown. So what's this team's mentality going into the semifinal that they're hosting, knowing that they have home field advantage for the entire Big East tournament should they need it? Uh, there's a lot of sense. There's more urgency than you probably would expect. I think – and it's not all comfortable. I think they're a little bit – um, certainly, Elmar is a little bit uncertain about their postseason chances. I think he f- he feels like there's an opportunity for them to win the Big East regular season title, which they've already done, and not make the NCAA tournament altogether. Really? Yeah, he really believes that. When you, and when you look at their RPI, he's not that crazy when you think the only 48 teams make the men's tournament. Sure. So it's not a full field of 64. So right. there's 16 that get the bye, and then there's that round – that meets them and you know that doesn't get the buy. So, sure. Uh, and what is their RPI right now? Um, I don't. I didn't look at it. All right, you the show. It's in the thir- It was in the thirties when they lost to Georgetown, though. Oh, really? Um, so it, it dropped. I think about eight spots. So uh, there's some. There's gonna be a sense of urgency for them to not slip up, especially with all the matches at home. Um, and and Akeem Ward, I talked to him after the Georgetown loss, and I think there was obviously disappointment that they lost on senior night. Uh, to a Georgetown team they felt like they could beat. And, you know, he's kind of he's, – he was already excited to get that back. So, I think they're looking forward to that rematch if they get it. Um, so, what's that, thir- their 30th right now? Yeah, their 30th. I had to scroll a little that's bit a longer deep, that's than not, That's actually not That's bad. not too bad, right? No. Especially if they're able to win a couple in the Big East tournament. And then you figure the reputation of being Creighton will get them in. 
Um, if they win a couple of the but big, it, yeah. But he's still like he he you know there's still a definite possibility. Is I I shouldn't have said that phrase, but um, there's still a possibility that Marquette if they come in uh, with that chip on their shoulder that they should have they probably felt like they probably could have beaten Creighton. Sure. Um, in Omaha and let it slip away at the end. Uh, that if Marquette knocks them off, Creighton will be sweating on uh, Selection Monday when they when they choose the field. So crazy. Yeah, they they've got some work to do for sure, um, especially to you know get a, a you know a decent matchup in the tournament as well, a decent draw because you don't want to be facing um, one of the best teams in the entire field right away. So sure. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see what kind of crowd they get too because it's, you know it's funny because all this stuff comes together and you know you got the men's basketball opener on Tuesday. Volleyball obviously waits till the weekend, but you know then you have a women's basketball opener at the same time that men's soccer is playing. So like. You know, there's going to be a – the fan base gets split up a little bit there, you know. Yeah, the casual um, fan that maybe has season tickets to both. they got to make a decision. Yeah. Women's basketball tips at 6 against South Dakota Wednesday night. That's their regular season opener. They're coming off a 100-68 to win in their only public exhibition. I know they lost their private exhibition, their private scrimmage to Iowa. Yep, close um, scrimmage. Close scrimmage. So, right. men's, so women's basketball is at 6? Women's at 6, and, and then soccer's, soccer's at time? 7. So okay. a little bit of divvying up there. And women's basketball games, unless they go to overtime, are usually are always two hours and under. But the, with the four quarters, you are it's guaranteed done. to finish that thing under I two hours. I love that they made that. I know we haven't really on, talked about come it. Come on, men's basketball. Let's go. Like, right? It's what amazing. Are they, what are they waiting for? The biggies. Oh, man. Totally yeah. a fan of the four quarters yeah. in college hoops. Totally yeah. a fan. Do they play with, like, I feel like they might have played, like, a couple NIT games like that, like, with the, the before rules. They, before they went to it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, no, yeah. I mean, in the men, I feel oh, like yeah, last yeah. year, no, they the, tested it. One of the tournaments, whether it be NIT. NIT or something it was else. The, it was quarters. the NIT, yeah. Big fan. Nebraska, we should ask them how that went or something, maybe. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love so, it. So, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, so, I mean, there will Can be. Can we a just talk for, about how amazing it is that they had an entire front page article in the sports, page, sports section about maybe winning an NCAA tournament game? Like, that's the ceiling? Not the I ceiling, were, I, I guess. They were a Sweet 16 team, I thought. I don't know, whatever. Oh, they were like a Final that's, Four dark horse. That's my. That's my. Uh, that'll be my point for tonight. Okay. Um, so yeah, like uh, so, women's basketball will get over probably for the second half of men's soccer. So all right, we'll see what kind of spillover in terms of the crowd they get because I'm sure men's soccer will um, need some kind of a boost, especially with the way the first half's been going. They're usually zero zero slugfests, um, and the scoring breaks through the dam in the second half. So. Sure. All right, well, a busy week ahead for Blue Jay Sports up on the hilltop. A lot of home matches, home games. Kicks off Tuesday night, men's basketball, regular season opener against Western Illinois. Wednesday night, we've got women's basketball against South Dakota at Sokol Arena. And we have men's soccer in the Big East tournament semifinals against Marquette. And then over the weekend, Jays volleyball Friday against Georgetown and Sunday against Villanova. Men's basketball also playing Sunday afternoon against East Tennessee State. And uh, with that, I mean, I know the women's basketball team is right on the road. They go Wednesday home against South Dakota, and then Friday night they're at North Dakota State. Yep. So they got their first roadie right away. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, Flans teams would have it no other way, right, than just jumping out on the road and getting some quality. Yeah, Flans loves those two road games in three days type of deal. He loves to do that to his team right yep. away. So. so whether they're both on the road like the South Dakota State Wichita was or – yeah. Either way, one way or the other, he likes to give them a quick turnaround. That works. All right, well, um, make sure that you guys tune in to the Blue Jay Beat following the men's basketball game Tuesday night. Matt DeMarinas and the Omaha World Hills, John Niatawa will have a good 45 to an hour uh, postgame breaking down the Blue Jays' regular season opener. We usually get that posted up late that night, early the next morning, so make sure you listen to that. And make sure you tune in to us next Monday night. Join us here at Script Town. I know Matt's going to try to effort um, somebody from the Creighton volleyball program again, maybe KBB. Um, don't want to, you know, like overpromise, underdeliver, or whatever. But I know you said you can pretty much get anybody. I mean, you here. just said it's not have to deliver. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe it's Father, maybe Father Hendrickson or something. I don't know. Like whatever you can do, <laughs> I guess. Uh, no. But yeah, uh, Matt. Again, really great job with Mitch. Really appreciate you spending all that time down on the on campus and and being the eyes and ears for. Blue Jays fans everywhere who can't make it to all of those events and making all those practices. So really appreciate that. Really appreciate everybody listening at home, um, wherever you're listening. Make sure you tune in for the Blue Jays Bites podcast in the future and join us 
for real, come down and have some Noli's Pizza, have some Kentucky Mules, some Moscow Mules here on a Monday night at Script Town. Everybody here uh, taking care of us real well uh, so far in our, our early days of podcasting here live from Script Town. Matt, anything else you want to add tonight before we go? No, I'm all talked out, man. You, uh, you drained me like a sponge of wow. all the uh, great information I had for the weeks, and I have to go load up again to get some more. Go down there. Get down to that championship yeah, center and soak it all in. When's the new women's facility open? Uh, late December is what it sounds like. Okay. They're actually inside it now. Like, not the, not the players. <laughs> Making them work. Yeah. The workers are work inside. Work study? Yeah. Work study program? The windows are up, so now they're working on the inside okay. of the facility. Uh, it's looking good, though. Cool, man. And I can't wait for them to stop having... Stop getting the construction guys out of there because I ran over a screw and got a flat tire, so I'm tired, ah, of, tired of that. So Bummer, dude. It's all right, though. We fixed it. We're You're going to add the podcast on the flat tire? Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah, I know. So that, that's my one complaint about all the construction that's been going on. All right. So let's hurry up and finish that facility. That's Get my that one done, and we'll be good. All right. So for Matt Moranis, I'm Brian Dot signing off from another episode of the Blue Jays podcast. Thank you to Script Town for hosting us. Thank you for all you Jays fans for all you do for us. Have a great night. Enjoy the start of college basketball tomorrow night with a big Blue Jays game. Go Jays.